This episode of the Human Animal Podcast is brought to you by Playful, my brand new ebook all about the benefits of play, how you can play, and what types of games I play in my Ninja Academy at Force. If you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you've heard us interview awesome guests all about the power of play and how we apply it in our own lives and at the gym. And this book is really the culmination of five years of research and coaching and seeing the power of play to transform lives firsthand, including my own. So I hope you'll check it out. Simply head over to unleashthepowerofplay.com to check out reviews, see more of the details of the content, and grab a copy for yourself or send it to a loved one. I really appreciate your support in advance. Thanks, guys. What's up, guys? This is Matt from the Human Animal Podcast. After a little bit of a hiatus, we are welcoming uh, my co-host, Jake Geary, back to the pod. Jake, I've missed you on these interview episodes, man. It's been like six months. So I've missed being here. Has it only been six months? It's, it's probably been longer. It's all good. It's been like six years. Yeah. Well, you know, I uh, we kind of podcast on our own all the time because... Um, really the podcast is a reflection of our in-depth conversations we're having in the gym based on what's happening with people and what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I haven't, yeah, we haven't missed out on that at all, but we haven't sat down and recorded stuff for a while. So this is our yeah. first so, one where we aren't face to face too, I think. Yeah, it is. It so often we're like, Oh, we wish we'd have had that on tape. Yep. Uh, <laughs> not that, uh. Not that uh, our conversations are always gold, but sometimes it would be nice to have you have a good conversation. Like, oh, I really wish I could share that with somebody. I think that's basically why we started the podcast in the first place. We felt like we were having these conversations Mm -hmm. that even listening back to ourselves could have helped. Right. So, Mm -hmm. well, we have a bunch of topics we want to talk about that we've been playing around with in the gym, but I thought it would be really nice to start back with a topic we've both been coaching a bunch of people up on, which is triggers. Mm-hmm. And the idea Those things of, in our environment. Yeah. The idea of things in our environment and how they affect, uh, affect us. Right. Um, and this mm-hmm. could go from anything from nutrition to movement, to mindset, to habit change habit change behavior change behavior change it's all over the place and it's so critical Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how do you how do you start introducing this idea of triggers in your success sessions like the first time someone comes down and sits down to meet with you what is how do you start talking about it well so well initially everything starts with like you know why are you here And then that progresses to, okay, well, what are all the things that are affecting the decisions that we make, right? Because I'm I'm really intrigued by this question of how come so many of us know what we should be doing to look, feel, or perform our best, but then we don't do it. Additionally, how come we know what we shouldn't be doing, but then we do it anyways, 
right? I find that to be just so interesting that we can we can logically think, okay, these are the behaviors that will will lead to the things that I want, but I still don't do them. So, you know, after sitting down with a thousand plus people, I start to notice these these trends that everyone's struggling with the same things, and I'm like, all right, this there has to be some underlying, you know, thing that that unites us, right? And what is that? And so I've started to come to the the realization that a lot of this is our environment and our biology. And those things have a huge impact on on our the decisions that we make. And so that's that's really how I start to introduce it to to clients. A, a big part of that is helping them realize that the decisions that you're making are not necessarily your fault, right? Like a lot of people will come in and say, I'm a terrible eater. I need to have more willpower. And then when we think of it, when we think of the, these situations when they're eating poorly, you know, it's, it's not that they have little willpower or not enough. It's they're putting themselves in situations that are, would be extremely difficult for anyone to overcome. Yeah. This is the, right. the classic case of a lack of willpower is often a lack of resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Big time. throughout the, the day, the you're fatigue. making, yeah, exactly, decision fatigue. We can actually measure that making decisions on a day-to-day basis is a fatigable resource. And mm-hmm. once we understand that, it's uh, that our executive function is tapped and taxed by not only organizing your day and doing all these other things it's taxed by making the decision not to eat something or to postpone immediate satisfaction for later satisfaction so this is like Mm -hmm. i'm not going to eat one cookie now so i can have two cookies later right Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. that is a really tough decision to make actually yeah well, and it's compounded with other factors. You know, the, the example I get, I, I often give is you go into work and you you missed breakfast because you woke up late that day. So you were in a rush. You got dressed really quick, you know, hopped in your car, you drove to work. And that just happens to be the day where your coworker brings in donuts. So now you get into work, you're starving and there are donuts right there. How hard is it to pass up those donuts. It's impossible. It's, oh, it's impossible, right? And so now look at the situation where uh, you had a big healthy breakfast and you go in and your coworker brings in donuts. How much easier is it to say, oh, no, thank you in at, that situation? At least 80%. Oh, oh, it, in, it's, it's an enormous amount. And so, you know, while you're sitting there suffering, you know, hangry in the morning, Saying no, how much is that is that pulling on your willpower that now later in the day is going to be fatigued and will have that lack yeah. of resource? This is a reason I think that we see a lot of people feel like they binge or they, oh, I do great for breakfast and lunch, and then I just fall apart after dinner, especially snack time before bed. Yes. That's one reason. The other reason is, and we talk about this as well, people tend to undereat their first two meals of the day. They have yeah. really, really light meals. And um, once that happens, yeah, your your brain's going to catch up eventually and, and crave more food and look for quick, easy sources of calories. 
And so then we, yeah, we got that compounding where now your body is driving you to eat sweet, salty, savory, and you've got the decision fatigue. So you're going to path of least resistance, which is say yes, right? Exactly. That's tough. It's a tough it's, combination. It's a tough combination. Yep. And I think many people don't realize how many triggers are around them all the time. Mm-hmm. So oh. one of my favorite examples is is the Google M&M study, right? And I'm going to mm-hmm. – I think we've meant, we might have mentioned this before, like, I don't know, two years ago. But at Google headquarters, they had open jars of M&Ms, and they were going through millions and millions of M&Ms every month at Google headquarters. And they decided to make a simple change, which was they put lids on the M&M jars, and so now you had to pick them up, uh, lift the lid off in order to get M&Ms, and they reduced consumption by like 80 to 90% in one month. It's so insane. Simply by adding another barrier, your their behavior, people's behavior changed. So mm-hmm. I, that makes me think about all the different factors. Okay, you come home. How many people have some snack foods out on the counter or within the line of sight? That's definitely going to affect you, right? This is why people mm-hmm. on a Whole30 or a Paleo or a ketogenic or whatever diet you're doing, the fact that the first step is clean out your house. Why is it to mm-hmm. clean out your house of stuff and clean up your kitchen? You're setting your environment up so you have less decisions to make and less chance mm-hmm. To be put in a corner where you, your willpower is exhausted and you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. When it's not there to uh, to tempt you, then it's a decision that you don't have to make, right? I mean, when we think about if I'm trying to change the kind of food that I'm eating, right? And in, we could look at this with anything. Like if you're a smoker and you want to stop smoking, you probably shouldn't leave a pack of cigarettes on the countertop just to, to tease you and and like pull you in because that's going to be so difficult when you don't have to see it and it, it's a non-decision. But when when if I have chocolate in the freezer or around, it's going to get eaten, right? But even putting it in the freezer makes it a little bit easier for me to eat it more mindfully, right? But if it's sitting out on the counter and I'm seeing it every day, I got a bowl of cookies out, I'm going to eat the cookies. I may not eat it in the morning, and I may not eat it in the afternoon, but I've said no all day. And now I start to rationalize as the evening comes on of, I've been good all day. I deserve a cookie. I'm going to have, you know what? I'm going to have just, I'm going to have half a cookie. When we all know no one in the history of mankind has ever had half a cookie. We go full cookie, two cookies. Right? We go full cookie or we go home. It's, it's. <laughs> we're, we're just making it really difficult on ourselves, yeah. right? And these are just the physical cues. We're not even talking about social cues. So we also mm-hmm. respond oh, strongly definitely. to social triggers. If other people at the table are eating as quickly as faster than we are, we eat faster. Mm-hmm. We've all heard the story mm-hmm. of, well, when when Benny was at the table, if I didn't eat quick, I wasn't getting anything, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of us carry that over. Now I I find that we have even an urgency based around social media. It's almost like when we're plugged into TV or social media or scrolling through Facebook and you're rapidly 
changing, making all these decisions and changing what you're reading, read something for five seconds, flip, flip, flip. That Mm. speed tends to speed up how people eat and take their mind off of what they're eating. So they power through their meal really quickly. Hmm. So there's a lot, there's a lot, there's so many factors to it, right? mm -hmm. Now, then we can start looking at, well, what's our environments like? And this is something that we touched on with, with Rafe Kelly in, in the podcast that should be airing right before this one. So if you haven't heard the Rafe Kelly pod, check that out. But Rafe has this whole framework of essentially evolutionary biology in return in reference to movement. And we've talked about this before, but essentially our environments have been engineered to promote a sedentary lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Comfortable. Well, do we think it's do we think it's simply our environment or biology in addition to our environment? Biology in addition to our environment. We'll get to biology. Just mm-hmm. a second. Hold on. Hold okay. on. Hold it back. I get excited. Hold it back. <laughs> but if you think about how hard is it, and after a long day with tired legs to come home and say, I'm going to sit on the floor because I know that's going to be better for my knees, hips, and ankles long-term and my back, mm-hmm. or to just plop down on the sofa that's right next to it. Mm-hmm. That's a tough decision mm-hmm. to make. Our sidewalks and streets are flat and straight. We have no variance in the type of movement we're having. This is the work of Katie Bowman, who's really brought this stuff to light, the idea of movement nutrition. And that Mm -hmm. all these little micronutrient movements that we get throughout the day have just been taken away. And they've been consciously taken away, but it's really hard to consciously add them back in now. Oh, yeah. It's standard. I mean, the countertop height. We don't even have to bend over. Yeah. And you wonder, or, and we don't have to reach overhead often. So we wonder Mm -hmm. why people Mm -hmm. lose the ability to reach overhead, lose the ability to squat, lose the ability to fold from their hips. Well, mm-hmm. let's map out all the different movements that your environment requires you to do on any given day. Oh, and sitting, yeah. lying down, standing, walking, if that's we just, it. If we just map that out, we start to see how our environment actually affects our behavior much, much more than our good intentions. Right? Mm-hmm. It's so much harder. Mm-hmm. But Matt, what if you go and work out three times a week. So you're spending three hours moving in different ways. I'd say that one is better than zero <laughs> or three is three <laughs> is better than zero. Mm-hmm. But what we're coming to understand is that our biology, if you want to take it back to our biology now, our biology craves and requires movement because movement has been an input to our joints and our systems for millennia for millions of years and our nervous systems and our bodies are adapted to recognizing the forces and the angles and the movements that we use throughout the day and trying to prepare our body to be able to do that. So if we are, I just dropped down and I think the mic started picking up better. Mm. Uh Oh guys. So if my voice just picked up louder. (laughs) So if we are, for example, um, I lost my train of thought because of the mic. We're talking about how your movement uh, provides oh, yeah. your body with feedback. If we, if like we are essentially sitting all day, our body's going to get really good at helping us sit all day. We've I've said this before. As ninjas well, of sitting. Ninjas of sitting. When we're in school, 
you remember the first time you were in school or sitting for any length of time? Or even now, if we go and have to sit for eight hours straight somewhere, it is oh. terribly hard. Oh, miserable. It is so hard. But I remember getting to a point Long in school where it was just trips. normal. It wasn't even a problem. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, why, and why do we think – so huh, it's going to send me on a tangent. But, you know, we've got these little kids that we expect to sit still all day long in school when that is not what we are programmed to do. And then we, we start to label them as, you know, misbehaved if they can't sit still for eight hours a day. What? It's bananas. And yeah. now we're feeding them medication. Jeez Louise. You're talking okay. into my, my biggest fear of uh, sending the kids to, to school is I'm just so yeah. worried about their movement health because I know, yeah. and I know I'm a, I'm a movement hippie cause I'm in this, field so intensely but man Mm -hmm. that really scares me yeah so our bodies are actually our biology is actually responding appropriately it's doing whatever it can to optimize our function based on what we do Mm -hmm. and I, i was joking around with one of our clients this morning i was like i wish my body would respond to what I think I want to do <laughs> because uh, I just keep watching videos of American Ninja Warrior and stuff all day and uh, mm-hmm. instantly get j- jacked. But that's one aspect of our biology responding. The other aspect of our biology is that normally if you could eat a lot of awesome high calorie foods and lay around all day, that would be a pretty sweet deal. Oh, it'd be ideal for survival. Yeah. You can store calories. You have, you know all the spots where to get the good food. You don't have to expend much energy. You are going to survive. That mm-hmm. entire system has just been totally hacked by the food industry and by, honestly, ourselves. We are hacking it ourselves because we're trying to please that system, that reward system. Mm-hmm. I like to tell people it is the first time throughout human history that we are actively fighting against our own biology. And that's very hard to do, right? Because we want to be lazy biologically. We want to eat all the sweet, salty, and savory foods biologically. But now that those foods which used to be rare in nature are no longer rare. They're everywhere. When you walk through the grocery store, it's everywhere because it, it it's it sets off our the pleasure center in our brain, so it makes us want to eat the food and keep eating it and buy more. And we don't want to move. Exactly. Well, even more so, those flavors and sensations have been removed from actual nutrition. Mm-hmm. So we can get sweet, salty, savory all at the same time and have a ton of calories and have almost no vitamins and nutrients. Mm-hmm. So that just... That's just weird. That's just a weird input. And this mm-hmm. is kind of, you know, if you think about the what we're talking about with the triggers, environment, biology, this is essentially what we meant by or an aspect of what we meant by calling the podcast the human animal, which is if we start looking at the inputs and outputs as if we were animals, right, in a system, mm-hmm. We can start to really peel back the layers and understand our actions and how the inputs are affecting the outcome. Absolutely. We can get to a point where we predict our behavior. I know when I get hangry, 
it's like the Snickers commercial where I, you know, it's like, you're not acting like yourself, right? Have a Snickers. And then they like, they change, right? Yeah. And I will get, I'll get emotional. I feel like my world is ending. I'm just like depressed. And then I have, you know, a little bit of something to eat. And I'm like, oh yeah, life is great. But so I can predict and go, oh man, I'm going to have a really long day tomorrow where I won't have an opportunity to eat anything between this time and this time. I need to make sure that I have some food or a snack or something ready to go because I'm going to get hangry. And when I get hangry, what do I want? I go for sweet, salty, savory foods that that now tend to be highly processed things that are just not going to be good for me. Right? I'm weak in those moments. So I need to to look at my life and look at, at what's going to happen and predict, ooh, I'm going to be – I'm going to be very hungry at that time. That's going to cause me to make some poor nutritional decisions. So I need to prepare and and, and be ready for that, right? Yeah, the 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 empowering part of triggers is that you can understand the triggers that are causing the behaviors you don't want, and you can also input triggers for behaviors that you do want. Mm. So. Let's look at some, maybe some extreme examples. One would be, I want to move more. I know that movement's important throughout the day. No furniture. Take the furniture out of the room. Mm -hmm. You're likely to sit on the floor, squat, up and down, open up your hips. Huge benefit. Okay. If that's a little bit too much, what about just removing your chair at work? And you don't even necessarily need a standing desk. The the whole idea of the standing desk is great if it promotes more movement. But I see a lot of people getting a standing desk and then they have the same issues that draftsmen and engineers and people that worked on the assembly line had for decades because they stood all day. And they're Mm -hmm. in an extension-based posture and that's going to cause its own set of issues, right? The idea is Mm -hmm. you need more movement. Mm -hmm. So... No one position is better than another position. No. The next position is the best position. Exactly. So if we look at it that way, I could have a low desk, but if I remove a chair and I get a little pad to kneel on and I switch kneeling positions and then I squat and then I change, that actually would be more ideal than spending a ton of money on a standing desk. And all that takes mm-hmm. is just remove the chair. Mm-hmm. For me, movement, like I wanted to increase the amount of movement uh, that I had once I got home. Uh, so I eliminated TV. I unhooked my TV and put it off somewhere where I wouldn't, you know, I, I no longer have like cable or whatever. Um, and so it's no longer a, the, the main piece of, uh, of attraction in my living room. Right. So I am much less likely to just sit on the couch and Netflix all night. Exactly. Right? It's just now, it, you know, it, it became very easy. I, you know, get home from work. You're tired. You know, you eat dinner. Maybe I, you even eat in front of the TV and now I'm distractedly eating, too. So, you know, you remove the TV and now I'm, you know, I haven't watched TV in, in I don't know how long. Uh, but all, what did it take? All it took was removing the TV from the room. Now I'm not tempted to sit and watch TV while I'm eating or just hang out and, you know, watch, you know, binge watch Netflix. Yeah. Valerie and I did that for like a month and it was amazing. And then it came back out cause we were like, Oh, we're going to watch this one thing. It's still been out. Yeah. So it's in, <laughs> in TV gets watched. Like 
It, it totally mm-hmm. is. It's dependent on your environment. Your environment is going to dictate your behavior so much. And we know oh, that these huge. changes can be drastic and tough for people. What mm-hmm. we're suggesting is that you become aware of your triggers. And even if it's a small step, take a small step and see how it affects your behavior. I had a, a client this morning who wanted to drink more water. What did they do? They got a bigger water bottle to yes. sit at their desk. That was it. They already had a water bottle at their desk, but the the cup was only like 12 ounces. They're like, you know what? If, I bet if I get a 50-ounce bottle, I'll drink more. Boom. Done. Mm-hmm. Change happens. Oh, it's so it's huge. It, if I don't have my water, it's like 40-some-odd ounces. If I don't have that, I don't drink any water. It's ridiculous. But if I have it, I'm drinking half a gallon, you know? I think another trigger that people really aren't uh, appreciating enough as well is music. Mm. I love dancing to music or moving to music. Mm-hmm. However, we're like inundated with we're inundated with music at the gym a lot, right? We have a lot yeah. of like just pop, techno, rap, heavy rock, metal, whatever, just going all the day. Mm-hmm. So I find that that actually no longer like i don't dance as much to that music as i used to it's almost like it's become too um repetitive for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but when i come home, like when, I, yeah, when i wake up in the morning i'll come out and i've stacked my morning routine now to basically include three things i wake up i feed the dog and let her out I make some make a pot of coffee and set it to brew so that right when my wife wakes up with the kids, she'll have a fresh pot of coffee. How sweet. And then I find some sort of like super instrumental, uh, global chill something music that's so different than anything I listen to on a normal basis, but... It, and I just I put that on low volume, and I go out in the living room, and I just start warming up for the day. And at some point during there, I'm going to catch some sort of rhythm in the in the music, and I just start experimenting with how I move my body. And this takes people a long time to build up to, I think, unless you have a history of dance or contemporary dance or in the arts. People feel so self conscious about dancing. And it's just, mm-hmm. just in general, but it's, so what you tell yourself is I'm not dancing. I'm just moving. I'm just moving. And maybe my shoulder kind of bops to the beat a little bit. What I find is I feel so good for the day. I feel like I've got a rhythm and flow for my day. It warms my body up. I move through lots of ranges of motion, uh, in that kind of creative space that I don't ever hit when I'm trying to program movement, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's so many more angles and movements and flows than you could ever possibly write out in one given streak. So, mm-hmm. and then I feel amazing. And after that, I do about 20 minutes of that. And then I pop up and get dressed and I hop in the car and go straight to work. And that's it. And that morning routine, been doing it. You actually challenged me to change my morning routine about like three months ago. Mm-hmm. And almost every day of the week now before work, that's my morning routine. And I've been feeling so good since I changed it and stacked some triggers. My triggers Mm. were were feed the dog, make the coffee, turn on the music. Do a little dance. Do a little dance. 
And mm-hmm. I would really encourage people to experiment with this. Experiment with music that's different than what you normally u- listen to. Or experiment with stacking triggers and habits like this. Explore. Try something different. I think it's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Is, doesn't uh, Mark Fisher Fitness, they have like just random dance parties? They just break into you know, I an alarm or go off or something. I would not doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah, I. That's a, Jake. You haven't gotten to hear these these podcasts yet, but you know, uh, Frank Forensic has this really great piece about the difficult part about play and movement is that you have to balance out silly and serious. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting when he said it because I've. Usually, my focus is on the people that are serious and trying to break them out of their shell, right, and get them to move a little bit. Mm-hmm. But once he said that, I realized that my kids and some of my adults even get stuck in the silly mode, and they're so silly that they actually stop the game. Like, we can't continue playing and working because they are just being so goofy. For example, mm-hmm. like when we play our our taps game where we're just keeping the ball up in the air and trying to pass it to each other. Mm -hmm. I'll have uh, a young lady who every time the ball comes to her, she just smashes it as hard as she can in any direction and just laughs uncontrollably about it hitting people or bouncing off of people or going out of control. But what ends up happening is we end up having to chase the ball down and then restart the game. But Mm -hmm. that silliness factor is like overwhelming. Like she can't get into the work part, right? Mm-hmm. And you see this with mm-hmm. kids a lot. They'll they'll want to be silly, which I think is totally appro- age appropriate for them, right? Mm-hmm. They'll want to be super silly, and they'll also have a hard time focusing. And I think there's value in that focused play. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, just people being being super serious about their. Um, not letting go and letting their bodies flow a little bit, I think is a big thing. Mm-hmm. I think when like, so if you have these random, you know, dance parties that really like is a, there's a signal that, Oh, you know, we went from being serious to it's, it's playtime. And so when you have it defined as this is playtime between this time and this time, and then after this, it's a trigger, right? You got the alarm goes off, playtime, alarm goes off again, back to business, right? I think that's a good thing to have that defined, hey, we're going to have moments of silly fun, and that's when you should really let loose. And then these other times, we're going to really focus on these these other things that we know are going to help us you know, achieve the goals that we want, right? So that you build it in one, one drill for all you coaches out there to try with your clients, because this kind of improv, like letting loose can be really difficult. I play a game called robot wind up and it's really simple. One per, you get partners or however you want to do it. One person, a mat acts like they're winding up a toy, cranking a little, um, key on on your back and then you do any movement random movement that you want for 20 seconds and you have 20 seconds where you just have to kind of shut your brain down and just go 
stop thinking about what everyone's thinking about what you look like and just go. And you might dance around like a monkey or have a fireball in your hand and you're passing it around or whatever, whatever your inspiration is, but it just allows you, it gives you just like you're saying, okay, I understand that this seems weird and different to be this silly. I only need you to be silly for 20 seconds. And here, I'm going to wind you up so you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So, and setting expectations of being weird and silly. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. So people don't feel like, oh, I'm being weird and silly. Well, you're supposed to be weird and silly right now. That's the whole point of this thing. Yep. You know, you're supposed to be dancing. That's why we're having a dance party for the next minute. Right? Yeah, and for I, that I love for it. that moment. I really mm-hmm. I really wish more gyms would do stuff like that and more coaches. You know what's interesting? Something that you guys uh started instituting was you know, these things in the mornings where it's this month you guys are doing squats. And so, boom, a certain time hits and, hey, this is what we're all doing. We're all doing our squats right now. And so whether or not that was, you know, in someone's program, everyone stops and, and that's an expectation at that time that that's what you do. Yeah, and it's fun. It's work, but it's mm-hmm. fun. The whole point is mm-hmm. we're doing it together. It's almost like a community touch point. I think that a lot of programs – suffer from not having built-in social time and connection time it's like you get to kind of say people say hi to people at the beginning of class at the end of class and nothing in the middle really there's nothing uh structured mm-hmm. so this is one effort we've made to try to make a little bit more structured social time and i honestly after talking to frank i wish we could do more i think we actually should try to do more structured social time as part of our curriculum yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we know community, you know, it's one of our one of our pillars of community is so important in feeling connected, you know, and like you like life has value. Feeling like you there are some other people who care about you that other people that you care about um and just taking care of each other. It's our tribe. So, let's let's wrap this up cuz we're right about 30 minutes, which is perfect for a short. Mhm. Um you talk to people. This is one of the first things you bring up is this conversation. Now, you might not rant like we have for 33 minutes, but you're at least throwing this. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> you're throwing this idea out at people, and I want to challenge other coaches to really try to talk to their clients about this. And then I also, uh, for anyone who is not a coach, think about the triggers in your own life that might be affecting your behavior. Think about the behaviors you want to change. And if you need a framework for which behaviors you want to change, go back and check out our episode about how to coach yourself to lifelong success. And mm. we cover what number was that. Hmm? What? what number that was that? I'll have to look at the episode number. number. I'll I'll drop it in the show notes. Ooh, but nice. in there, we talk about movement, food, rest, mindfulness community, nature, as our six pillars of things that we can really start to try to program time for. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, and this is something I think is super crucial that I'm just realizing more and more in my own life as well. This needs to be easy. We can't spend all our time. I mean, I guess we can, but I don't want to spend all my time micromanaging my movement, micromanaging my nutrition in order to be healthy. Mm-hmm. I want to get to a point where it's just a free expression 
of myself. It's what I do. It feels natural. My environment is set up to help me maintain the things that I know are going to keep me healthy and vibrant so that now I can actually spend my time working on having an impact on spending time with my loved ones and being present with my family on taking on a big project or finding my voice and sharing that in the world. I want my time or pondering life, whatever. I want my time to be reflective of those values and that process of self-discovery and rather than, oh, I just spent 15 hours this week worrying about what I was eating. I just spent 10 hours this week questioning whether I was doing the perfect program. That's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And well, ultimately doesn't, doesn't enrich you. Something I like to think is how do we make the path of least resistance the one that leads to the decisions that you want to make? Right. So you're, you're mentioning how like this doesn't need to be hard or this shouldn't be hard. This should be the, the easy thing for us. How do we shape our environment and how do we set ourselves up so the decisions that we want to make are the ones that are easy to make? Right. Like when you have food prepared and it's in it's in the fridge, just ready to go. And you already you prepped everything and it's easy to make that decision at that time. And that's the food that you want to make or that's the food that you want to eat because you know it's good for you. Right. How do we make these things the easy decision to make? One thing is think about attacking them like you don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Right. Because you're going to choose the foods that that are probably not great for you. So if I'm looking to to not watch as much TV and, and include more movement in my day, I'm probably not going to take the TV out of my living room at night whenever I would typically be sitting there watching it. Take it out in the morning when when you normally wouldn't be watching TV and now you're starting to shape that path for when you will be more when, when you'll be weaker. Does that make sense? Yeah. Don't you need the moment of calm of perspective Mm -hmm. in order to allow your human brain to affect your monkey brain. Mm, Exactly. Exactly. Shape the path. Awesome, dude. Well, I hope guys, this gives you an insight into success sessions with Jake and our philosophy at the gym, as well as just in life and Mm -hmm. know that we are both a work in progress and we are right along for the ride with you, but that, these realizations have really, really helped us shape, help the clients we work with. Yeah. And help the people we work with, which is really for us, what it's all about is giving back. So Mm -hmm. if you need some help, reach out, Jake, I think you're even going to be doing some online coaching soon, right? Yeah, absolutely. Check me out at the mindful savage.com. And Jake will take you through this exact same process. Uh, This was not meant to be a sales pitch, but I just realized it works well. So we did it. (laughs) We did it. So, yeah. We did it. All right. I've loved loved being back. Yeah. Let's hop back on in uh, a couple weeks because we have some other stuff to talk about too. Right? And be on the lookout for more great guests. Um, we're kind of in the season of natural movement, I would say. So, 
a lot of our guests. What movement's not natural, Matthew? Well, yeah, natural could become like natural food, right? Like, what does it really mean? Mm. I would say in this case, uh, natural movement, I don't want to put it in a box except to say that it's usually outside of the box. Evolutionary and Mm. practical to begin with and then becomes creative and expressive as you move down the chain. Okay. So something that takes us closer to what we're talking about, closer to our biology and not further away. Mm-hmm. All right. I dig it. So yeah, we've had guys like uh, Tim Anderson and Julie Angel, Julie Angel, who are fantastic. Kellen Mylad, Frank Frensich was the podcast we just dropped last week. Rafe Kelly from Evolve Move Play. We'll be having more awesome coaches and insights uh, from other natural movers around the globe on the podcast Hello. soon. So And send us your questions. Send questions. Humananimalpodcast at gmail.com. Leave a review on iTunes. I would request that if you're going to leave negative feedback, send it to us first because we'd really like a chance to take care of it on this podcast that we do for free and spend money on ourselves <laughs> i'd really like to take care of that for you uh yeah. <laughs> but give us a chance to to fix stuff and yeah check out freefitguy.com check out the mindful and we will talk to you guys soon see you